0: Ladies and gentlemen, just a word of warning.
1: You're a mess, aren't you? I'm not very tall either. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.
2: Good afternoon Cambridge and welcome to Bums on Seats it's your fortnightly film extravaganza. My name my name my name is Yossi Osman and I am your host today and I am joined by Victoria Eyre Hello. Simon West Hello. Dave Riley Hello. and Ashley Capaldi Hiya. we have got a bumper show for you today with lots of films to talk about as well as the Cambridge Film Festival we will be talking about Todd Phillips Joker starring uh, Joaquim Phoenix then moving on to uh, the black comedy horror film ready or not then we'll have a little break to talk about the film Festival and Mike O'Brien will be coming in to talk about the short real student Film Festival award then we'll go into a bit of a musical wonderland with singing in the rain and finishing off with the biopic judy garland called judy so i think we've got to get right into it and we'll be starting off with joker Arthur, i have some bad news for you <laughs> this is the
3: last time we'll be meeting
1: you don't listen to do you you just ask the same questions every week How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed. But I do. And people are starting to notice. You think this is funny?
4: Is this a joke to you? Uh, Murray, one small thing.
1: Yeah? When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker?
2: That was the trailer for Joker, which you can see in cinemas right now, starring Joaquin Phoenix as failed comedian Arthur Fleck, who seeks connection with the world in Gotham City. Uh, right, we. I know everyone's going to have loads to say on this so we're going to start straight away. Um, I can't remember a film that has been so divisive in terms of reviews it, for a good couple of years or so. I mean it started out at, was it Toronto Film Festival? one of the film Venice. festivals, Venice, to rapturous applause, five-star reviews. Then we get a bit of backlash after that, and now we're having backlash to the backlash, essentially. Um, Dave, what did you think? What side of the fence are you on?
4: Uh, I I think I'm on the side of it, it's, it's a fantastic movie. Um, it's it's not an easy movie to watch, I'll say that. it's uh, It's very, very dark and unsettling, I think it's basically a warning to anyone going in expecting another kind of dc comic universe movie the 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 dc movies that they've made so far have been you know darker than the marvel films just because of their color palette less than anything else <laughs> but this is kind of properly dark it's really getting into proper emotional exploration and it's not a nice emotional area to be in i thought throughout the entire film and I can see why there's so much division about it it's like is it is it glorifying some of the negative aspects or is it promoting you know negative behavior it's difficult to decide on watching the film i just know i've i've not kind of felt as squirmy and horrific in my seat since i watched Someone trying to climb the side of a mountain without a rope last year. Uh, so this is the first. A nice comparison. This, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I was genuinely there were moments where I was just like I don't I don't think I really want to see this, and uh, just the reaction when the audience we were in was split as well. I, I went to see it with Simon, and there were bits where you know we were there four of us all the same age just kind of going what is this horror and meanwhile all the kids at the back were laughing i was just like
2: okay then um i think we had that in our screening yesterday as well there were lots of people laughing at bits that i really did not find funny at all um I mean, there's so much that we can pick from, from what you've just said. It is dark. It is extremely disturbing. But surely, knowing the character of Joker, he's, he's a very infamous character. Is that not to be expected, perhaps?
5: Um, I think it is to be uh, expected. It is about one of the most well-known psychopaths in cinema and the characters um, and comics. And he is. So when you see him performing these acts of violence... It's to be expected. Um, the film t- tries to get you to be sympathetic to the character and empathic, but it never gives you far enough. It always gives you enough to realise that's not a good thing. He, he is just a really bad person. Um,
2: how does it work as an origin story, then? Does it explain enough for us to see how Arthur Fleck becomes Joker? I think um, it
6: does. Uh, so I have seen other like the Christopher Nolan as a Batman trilogy but obviously I didn't I didn't know a lot of the origin of Joker and now I feel like I have a good background maybe on him and about halfway through I was thinking like what's Thomas Wayne got to do with any of this Mm. and that like I don't know if this is true to the comic books or if this is like a thing that's known I'm getting nods that it's not but like (laughs) I feel like I probably have like apart from the arkham which i already knew about yeah. have maybe an insight to this person. i mean,
5: the joker is one of those characters that gets rewritten and rewritten every mm. 10 years or so and they every he's more as a representation of the time he's rewritten in by the um by the writers and here's just another take it doesn't relate to any other films it's a lot of it's made up from previous it's taken things from like a killing joke and very much um more like a king of comedy in Scorsese's film, which he's been trying to. There are a lot of similarities there to try and make him it its own character, um, which I thought it really did work. By the, I wasn't sure at all going into the film how it's going to be, but by the end of it, I was like, I actually hope they do ties this into the later films because it's an amazing character. You have a firm grounding, he could fit into a later film and it'd be a welcome addition.
2: And. Um how much of that do we owe to Joaquin Phoenix as Joker? Ashley, I'll come to you.
3: I'm very excited to see how the Academy's going to ignore him this year because he famously doesn't get any good awards, but it's it'll be impossible to not recognise that performance, I don't think. He's in every scene of the film. He's Without him, you have nothing, I think, and he's he was born to play this part. He's a divisive character himself um, as a real-life person. And tends to sort of flock towards these difficult roles, and this is just peak whacking. I think superbly cast.
2: And when we think of Joker, we'll think of other performances. Um, I'm actually particularly thinking of, I mean, Heath Ledger in In The Dark Knight. How do you think he compares? Can we compare them? Is it even fair?
4: It, it's a tricky comparison, and I see what you mean by, is it fair to compare them, mm. uh, particularly as we're no longer we're no longer graced by Heath Ledger's presence. Um, it, I I really thought that he was actually kind of taking his inspiration in some way from Heath Ledger's Joker. The thing about the, the Joker in um, the Nolan films is there, there is no background to him. He's an agent of chaos, and that's all that they wanted him to be, which I think works really well. It's nice to see that there's this little element of that in Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of the Joker this time, but he's also bringing it to him. Uh, through his own take as well and that's the bit that was really shining through for me his when i first saw the trailer i thought he was mimicking heath ledger's movements quite well and then i realized oh he's not actually it's just that heath ledger occasionally moved the way joaquin phoenix is moving throughout the entire film and watching his body transformations between incredible. kind of arthur fleck and the joker character that he starts to inhabit were absolutely brilliant to watch. He's kind of shuffling, head bowed one scene, and the next he struts around the corner with pride and the no,
6: contortions of his body as mm. well. The, yeah. Um, I think like just watching that as well as I've like, been uncomfortable by the general atmosphere the literal movement of like his entire back during some scenes and seeing like
2: bruises it just makes you like on the edge of your seat like chest swelling just remember there's a particular scene where he's sat on the sofa watching TV and he stretches and his body just looks completely emaciated I don't know why I'm remembering that in particular but complete transformation um just shifting slightly, so the director of this film is Todd Phillips, who is actually probably most famous, I believe for the Hangover films completely different genre, how do we think he handles this? Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's <a> tough one <laughs>
5: I, I, I wouldn't have put any relationship to his previous films in here um, he has studied the like the loner Um, characters before um, like Zach Galakonikos in The Hangover and how they relate which is probably one of the only
3: comparisons I can
5: think think, really Um, I mean just the visual style of the film um, it's more Scorsese than anything else Mm. the representation of Gotham is like 1970s 80s New York um, which is when I remember films from The the Warrior um, or Taxi Driver it's just as much as a character and it brings the sense of dread and the chaos and something bubbling under the city, ready to outbreak. Um, this, I mean, this film is way above anything that Todd Phillips has done before.
2: And mm. um. Um, we, we do have to talk about this because when we started the review and we were talking about how divisive it is, I think a lot of people have called this film irresponsible. They've called it dangerous, um, promoting violence... What do we all make of this argument?
3: I, I get it. And I had, I had a question for our superhero aficionados in the room. It's, is this how it all started for the Joker? Because I figured after this film that those guys were the good guys. And then you had the police and the press of Gotham turn it around and say Batman was a good guy and we need to restore order. Whereas he's kind of a Robin Hood character trying to level the playing fields in a really horrendously divisive city between the haves and have nots. And I saw him as a a very much a hero figure in this, albeit a violent one.
4: I mean that's that's uh, that's very tricky. I, I never <laughs> saw him as a hero during the film. Uh, and there there was a bit where he was he's very careful that one would say I'm I'm an apolitical figure. I I'm in this for me and no one else. And he's quite clear about that. The fact that people are being inspired by some of the acts he does during the film. Um, it's tricky, because one of the, the very first kind of... One of the first violent things you see him do... Uh, early in the film, there's a lot of violence directed towards him, and he doesn't do anything about it, and that that's horrible to watch as well. The very first time he kind of gets violent, I almost felt sorry for him because of the situation he was in, and... I legitimately thought he was in the right because people were once again beating up on him, and he turned it around against them.
2: Are you talking about the subway scene? I'm yeah, just, I'm yeah,
4: trying yeah. not to drop too many spoilers. No, no, we won't say anything else. Yeah, but at that that point, I was like, okay. But then it was the way it seemed that that scene was manipulated and twisted by everyone except for him. Um, and then you you come to the kind of final denouement at the end, and it's just like. Yeah, well, okay, so he's still forging his own path, keeping it going, and everyone else is losing their minds. And uh, it's just tricky to get a hold of him.
6: He's am um, almost like worshipped at the end. There's a certain scene where um, he stands tall on a car, and like the, everyone is just in these clown masks. Um, it clearly was meant to be a protest. It's
2: how, how are we supposed to see that? Because that sort of mob mentality where he's got all these followers wearing these masks, is, is he portrayed there as, like you said, a, the, the heroic figure? Or are we supposed to still see him as this completely psychopathic
3: character who is very dangerous? He, he makes a crucifix of himself on on the top of the car. He's very much their Jesus
2: I just think it's a very difficult thing to discuss because I didn't particularly see him as super sympathetic. There were moments where, you know, obviously he's getting beat up and people are really nasty to him and you do feel sorry for him, but when he turns it around and he becomes Joker towards the end of the film, we can't we can't really forgive that, I um, don't think. And I don't think the film wants us to.
5: Yeah, I never saw him as being aspirational um, at all. Uh, throughout the film um if anything i think it's more a comment on the the mob um mentality looking up to characters like that which also needs to be addressed and looked at and reflected rather than trying to say the film's not saying he's a hero he's saying look people treat people like him as heroes when they shouldn't yeah um
2: I just, and it's interesting because people are saying that, you know, it's particularly giving this film such a hard time for the sort of actions that Joker commits and the violence. What makes this film different to other films that have so much violence? I think and- a lot of
5: it is the media manipulation and it is a media story they want to take yeah. and, you know, they want to portray themselves as the good guys and a lot of the controversy is manufactured. Um, having said that, I think I've seen a lot of. Viewpoints on the film, both positive and negative, and having now seen the film, I can't really argue about any of them. Um, They all (laughs) seem to be valid viewpoints, which you know can be contradictory. But some people like things, some people don't. Some people agree, some people don't. It's like anything. There is a a wide range of um, you know things you can take from this.
2: I think so. I think we could. I mean, I think we can all agree that it's a very dark and disturbing film. But what an individual perhaps takes away from that will be quite different between us. But I think everyone here seemed to at least appreciate the film. I appreciated
6: it. I mean, I knew I was going... I always feel uncomfortable going into a film where I know, like, something humiliating is going to happen to the character because you always, like, sort of feel those emotions yourself. But, um, like, that obviously did happen. I was uncomfortable. But you can still appreciate even, like, every aspect from the set design of the town to... The costuming, the music and his actual the amount of effort Joaquin has done to portray this character. Um, so even if I came away not completely loving or liking, like even liking the film, is like you still
2: respect the film. I think that's a very nice way to sum it up. Thank you. Okay, we are going to move on. Joker is showing, I think, in every single cinema in Cambridge, so the view, the lights, and the arts picture house, it is a certificate. 15. Moving on now, we are going to talk about American black comedy horror film Ready or Not.
5: So, at midnight, you have to play a game. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family.
2: A game? What
6: game? Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that?
1: Well, the rules are simple. You can hide anywhere. We then tried to find you.
3: So there's no way for me to win, right? I
1: mean, stay hidden until dawn.
6: <laughs> no, thank you. Good luck.
0: What the hell is this? How old is this thing?
6: I know you're in here.
5: They think they have to kill you before sunrise. Mm-hmm. Or something very bad will happen to the family.
1: If we don't find her and perform the ritual, we're all dead.
2: <laughs> that was the trailer for Ready or Not, a film directed by Matt Bettinelli-Olpin and Tyler Gillett, um, starring Samara Weaving as um, a newlywed who goes to her in-law's uh, mansion, basically, and becomes part of a very interesting wedding ritual. Um, who shall I come to first on this one? I think we've all seen it. I'm um, I- Very positively reviewed, this film, and it's described as a sort of comedy horror how does it work in terms of genre
5: absolutely brilliant example of comedy horror um, one of the big problems with comedy horror films in general whenever the build of that is trying to keep the comedy and the horror together throughout the entire film and this film succeeds in both parts um, it's funny throughout and yet there are moments that are horror they are horrific they do make you wince and you know, really want to make you look away. Um, But then it's relieved by some good laughs. And this is one film that does it absolutely brilliantly. Um,
2: Oh, good. Yeah, (laughs) brilliant. Um, I'm not really an expert on horror films, but I'm not sure if there's a film that kind of takes this element of a game and makes it completely deadly, but
3: also slightly hilarious. Um, Ashley, you're frowning it's i don't like the genre at all like be funny or be scary don't be both. It, it was all right but it just annoys me so much i wasn't scared at all throughout it it was kind of funny in places samara weaving was very good i do like the actress who played the bride um I, i'm sure the genre is supposed to be full of obvious characters who are pr- they're, they're all very much what's the word i'm looking for when you're exactly what someone expects you to be. Stereotypical? Yeah, very stereotypical characters, like, oh, there's the weird old grandma, there's the beautiful but kind of kindly mother, there's the jock brother. But isn't
2: that the point? Isn't it a little bit tongue-in-cheek about yeah. those Why characters? Why bother?
3: Do something, be better.
6: I feel like, essentially, one of the best part of this film is that you've got all these actors, so um, Henry Cherney and um, Adam Brody. So Henry like does this great role of being the rich um I can't like, just patriarch. Me, Yeah, the rich patriarch that <laughs> I love. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's just like part of this blue blood society. And he plays the exact same character in the T V show Revenge. Was it Revenge? I think it was. Mm. And um like he is he does it so well and you hate him for it. But I think like this is what this film like really takes on board is that you've got these actors that are playing their best characters and that's why I love it like so much. Adam Brody as well, he's like playing this alcoholic uh, brother but still like kind-hearted and that's how I see him in general and anything that he plays, so.
2: (laughs) Oh, it was Adam, sorry, I've just realised that was Adam Brody. Um, Right, anyway, so, um, again, sorry, just picking on a couple of things that you've said did you do you mean you don't like horror and comedy at all in any film or particularly this film?
3: I particularly found this film lacking in pretty much everything.
2: Okay, cuz I I would actually disagree with that personally. I what I actually appreciated was that it was a little bit fun as well as being horrific in parts and when, one of the things about the film is it's it's very Gory, and I normally don't like that in a film because I see it as quite leering and just gross. But I actually thought it handled it quite well in this. What would you say, Dave?
4: I'm just relieved we're finally reviewing a horror film without clowns in. <laughs> because you know me and clowns, the it films have been a fun ride, I'll, I'll put it that way. No, I thought this was absolutely brilliant. uh You're going on about the gore, yeah every time the gore seemed to kind of like oh there's a gory moment coming up they did build up to it and then it just kind of dispelled the horror because of the over the top nature of it it became comedy instead and that's something i was really enjoying there's a few moments in it where you are just going to go oh and then behind it you're just going to go and laugh and giggle and know that you probably shouldn't be giggling but it's such a fantastical situation. There's nothing else you can do but laugh at what's going on and how ridiculous it was. It was. Oh, I just enjoyed the whole thing. The whole. I don't know what's wrong. You've with got Ashley. a big smile
2: on your face, Dave. Yeah. Very happy no, about. I it. mean,
4: I, th- I think it's up there with the
5: a lot of the early Sam Raimi films. Um, you know, like Drag Me to Hell or um, Evil Dead or. Um,
6: you're next was like what I compared it to. It's like yeah. the same situation of like he introduces it to us like the girl to his family and then everything goes wrong in that um she's the one that gets preyed on, then she becomes this great like she's not a final girl but she's almost like in that realms and um it's like Your Next is a great film to watch because you get the satisfaction of the revenge of the what happens to a family. But this is something that I could rewatch. It has a lot of rewatch value without the emotional commitment. Yeah, I remember
5: your next actually being quite scary um, <laughs> and terrifying and not one I actually necessarily want to watch again and again. where yeah. this one, if I put it on, I can have a good laugh at it as well.
3: I really liked your Next and I think it was trying to do that and it failed. Your Next <laughs> had little bits of funny in it, but it was a very, very, very good horror film.
2: But one thing that you did mention that was positive about the film was um, Samara Weaving in the kind of lead character role of Grace, the bride who's really excited to be married and meeting the family because she's not been part of a family before, and then everything just goes h- horrific. Um, how I've not actually seen her in much before, but I thought she's she. She's
3: was- not Margot Robbie, by the way.
2: She does look like Margot Robbie. <laughs> I thought she was really good and quite, she was a good foundation in this film to keep coming back to. Yes. No. There's <laughs> <laughs> a question. No, uh, no, I mean, not really a question, yeah. not a comment.
4: No, uh, no. She was really good. Uh, I remember I've seen her in the the Babysitter, uh, which is on Netflix. It's a Netflix really? film, And yeah. and that's also kind of a horror comedy yeah. with side ritual for taste as well. <laughs> it's the best way to describe this film.
6: It's becoming like it's becoming her kind of role, which is like I think like this is a cast that are playing their best roles.
2: Yeah. Um. Amongst all the kind of fun and the horror, um, there's a little bit of sort of commentary, perhaps on I don't know, privilege, and you know that the family that she's going into are kind of very wealthy, privileged people. Did did you pick up on that? Is that is that something In, to bring up to note? good
5: horror should be able to reflect society, and this one definitely takes the um, privilege the normal people, and you know complaining about the 1% and as mentioned society, rich people are almost like a, a different class they're a different species and they behave completely yeah. differently um, and it uses it as a theme in this film um, yeah. I feel occasionally it's tacked on, it, it's nothing that hasn't been said before, it hasn't been something that hasn't been done many many times before in horror films it pays service to it it makes those points but i don't think there's anything really that incisive about it in this film but it, it uses the framework
6: i think there's the comment at the end of the film and then she's walking out like quite dramatically and she's like the rich really are different yeah uh, given that they've like sold their souls to the devil <laughs> yeah yeah
2: yeah <laughs> um okay i think we'll have to leave it there actually but it's quite interesting that i think the three of you dave simon and victoria really liked it ash not so much a fan but please do go and see it is still showing at cinemas i believe it's showing at the light and view cinemas and it is again certificate 15. now we're going to have a little bit of a musical interlude before we move on to talk about musical films um this is over the rainbow by judy garland mm-hmm.
1: Bye. <laughs>
2: there from lovely judy garland because we will be talking about judy uh not quite yet but towards the end of the show right we've got somebody new in the studio hello mike o'brien hello how are you
0: not too bad, thank you.
2: Good, good, good. Mike's here to talk to us. Well, we are going to be talking about the 39th Cambridge Film Festival, which begins on the 17th of October. But Mike is here particularly to talk about Short Reel, our Student Film Award. So, Mike, do you want to just introduce the award and and, and what's happened over the last few months?
0: Yes, um, so the the short reel's been around for four or five years. I can't remember exactly, um, but it's a, it's a it's an award for any student in uh, the eastern region and some of the central region. Um, they can do put, submit any film they like as long as it's under eight minutes. And um, we've had quite a few submissions, and over the last few months, we've whittled it down to four finalists. And yesterday was the grand announcement of the winning film.
2: Yes, saw that on Facebook, yes. and also did the video for it. But yes, <laughs> yes. so uh, we had four really brilliant. I think this is the best year we've had. It's a really
0: interesting... And what was nice was it was quite a mix of different um, types of films um, from, you know, a a pastiche of silent film comedy. um, And we had a lovely film about um, someone's grandfather. It was done so beautifully. Um, uh, A lovely, intriguing film called Pass It On and uh, a wonderfully shot um, very imaginative film called apotheosis
2: and everyone that's directed um these films they're all either sort of sixth form or university students aren't they
0: yes that's right we have in the past have mature students but they're all they all are all students um and um yes uh, uh, and we've had quite a range of people who've been involved with short rule over the years
2: yep yeah. and we we're, we're allowed to talk about the uh
0: Winner and runner-up, are we? Yes. yes. So the 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 runner-up was the um, film about the grandfather called Gramps, um, and it was particularly um, beautiful film. You could get the real sense of the filmmaker and their relationship with the main character. But it was done in a series of. Um, uh, uh, almost still images or, or, or short images um, of the surroundings of the grandfather and building up a background story of him. It was beautifully done, beautifully timed, lovely editing of the film. Um, and so we we thought it, it, it merited a special mention. And the winning film was called Apotheosis um, by Joshua Shear of Tring Park School and uh, this was amazing photography and a very ambitious um, idea beautifully put together very imaginative um, and i can't wait to see it on the big screen because the winning film um, always gets a screening at the cambridge film festival um, and it will be this time along with hope gap um which is i need to check it's on screening on saturday the 19th at 8:30. um it's a william nicholson film he wrote Gladiator and another big film which I can't remember off the top of my head and stars Annette Benning, Bill Nye and Josh O'Connor and uh, so it's a big film it's on screen one in the picture house uh, so on the massive screen and this film will look fantastic It will be it will be presented before the main
2: feature and I would recommend that everybody go to see Hope Gap but definitely for Apotheosis at Short Reel which um, I just thought when I saw it The cinematography was something else. I mean, it looked absolutely stunning in so many different scenes.
0: Yeah, it's astonishing and it's it, it really shows a grasp of the art Yeah, you know, the, the, the technically it's superb but it's also very imaginative in what it's trying to do so yeah, it's a worthy winner
2: Big things coming for um, Joshua Shear from Tring Park School I think he's very, very talented um, What's next for Short Reel? Will we be having the the award again and if so, where can people look for more information?
0: Yes, we will be having the award again we'll be convening after the festival and looking at our planning Um, you can find out more on our uh, facebook page which is at short real film award one word short real film award Um, and you'll see there the the post last night um, giving a short video um, about um, the all four films and the winning films given by our prestigious um, jury chair Stefan Giorgio he's a local filmmaker, brilliant filmmaker, a really supportive of young filmmakers as well and um, he, he directed a wonderful fe- feature called Dead Cat at the festivals um, some that's three or film. so brilliant. years ago, wonderful uh, British comedy, uh, he's just done a brilliant short film that's going to be on one of the short strands at the festival which are always worth catching up
2: Yes, definitely going to recommend the shorts. Thank you very much, Mike. You kind of l- leading us into just a quick chat about the film festival because the programmes uh, were announced today. Yep. So we're, we're not today. Sorry, they've been um, available for you to go and get from the Picture House. Or actually, are they available at the Light as well to they pick up? Yep. Yeah. Um, so it starts on the seventeenth of uh, October up until the twenty fourth. Guys, have we seen the programme? Have we got any standouts that we would like to see?
5: Um, I think the Aeronauts, um, which is on the front cover of the programme, so it's hard to miss. But I know it's showing at the IMAX at the light, and it looks stunning from the uh, trailer I've seen so far.
6: Definitely a portrait of a lady on fire for me as well. Um, That has got like five four-star reviews coming out of film festivals at the minute, so I'm quite excited for that one.
4: I'm going to get my sound nerding on, uh, Making Waves documentary, uh, all about the, the use of sound in films, which looks absolutely epic.
3: Ashley, you're a trustee. I am. <laughs> lots of people say they're very excited about The Lighthouse, which I've not heard of, actually, but I'm going to go and see it on lots of people's recommendations and all the thumbs up that just came round. But what I'm most excited about this year is all of the remastered musicals coming out. Uh, sing Along, Calamity Jane is happening at the light and sing along, Little Mermaid
2: well okay well that's led quite nicely into the next segment of the show actually Um, but if you would like more information on the film festival uh, please 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 do go and visit the website which is www.camfilmfest.com you can find out more about all the different films that are showing over the week um, and we all hope to see you there we'll have a show on Saturday the 19th of October which will be all about the festival so make sure you tune in then Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So we are now kind of moving on into our wonderful, uh, we're going musical basically for our last two films. Ashley just mentioned that the film festival has a strand which is all about remastering of some absolutely fantastic uh, musicals. So we are going to go back now to 1952 to talk about Singing in the Rain, which is one of my favourite musicals of all time. And to lead us in, we've got a lovely song, Moses Supposes.
1: Moses supposes his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. But Moses, he noses, his toes aren't roses, as Moses supposes his toes to be. Moses supposes his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. A Moses is a mose, a rose is a rose, a toes is a toes. Hoop de doodie
6: doodle, Moses supposes his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. For Moses, he noses his toes aren't roses, as Moses supposes his
3: toes to be. Moses, Moses, Moses is toses, roses. Well, Moses,
1: Moses Moses. Moses, Moses, Moses roses. Is toses, to be. Roses of roses, are roses are roses, are roses. When Moses apposes his mm-hmm. Couldn't be a lily or a tapping happy dilly.
6: It's gotta be a rose, cause it rhymes with mose Moses.
2: Even a little dance in the studio just then absolutely love it Right, Singing in the Rain which is showing at the Cambridge Film Festival it is a classic musical from 1952 Directed by Gene Kelly and Stanley Donan Starring Gene Kelly himself Along with Donald O'Connor and Debbie Reynolds To name just a few of the cast All about the uh, story of Well, it's uh, set at a time where silent cinema Is basically moving to what they call talkies That difficult transition to sound in films And uh, Don Lockwood, who is played uh, by Gene Kelly And Lena Lamont, played by Gene Hagen Are struggling to make that transition right so uh dave and simon it's all up to you two i I mean i can't tell you how much i love this film and i think you two both really enjoyed it as well didn't you
5: yeah i hadn't seen it for quite a while until this week when i rewatched watched it and i just remember just how much of an absolutely fantastic film it is um gripping story really funny um and the dance numbers are amazing um It's one of the few dancing films that actually makes me wish I could dance like that. (laughs) Um, You know, it's all the dance films of the 2000s. None of those did it. This film makes you want to dance. Um,
2: It's one of those films, it's become so iconic. When you think about it now, mainly actually because of the title track, singing in the rain, and, and you can see you can see that scene where Gene Kelly um, is dancing in a street. Fun fact: they put milk in the rain to make it yep. show up on camera. I thought they did.
5: No, it's been uh, debunked. It's oh, one of the gone I am so proud but... of
2: myself. Right, <laughs> nah, forget what I just said. It's just big
5: raindrops and good cinematography.
2: Okay, well it is brilliant cinematography. It is brilliant cinematography. But what I was going to say is there's there's so many great numbers in that film, are there not?
5: It was a The the big surprise for me when I was watching it, as far as I'm concerned, Singing in the Rain, the iconic track everybody knows, is probably the weakest song and dance in the film. Um, The best one, Make It Laugh, laugh. um, with Donald D'Arcona, is absolutely stunning. Um, Stunning footwork, great uh, choreography. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've got the um, Broadway Broadway melodies with Cherise appearing. Everything is just
4: fantastic. Uh, For me, it's got to be Good Morning. Yes. Yes, because, you know, at that point, the movie's kind of hitting the low point where they've tried to make their first talkie. It has gone painfully wrong for them, which I actually enjoyed. (laughs) (laughs) The audience reaction to their film flopping was absolutely brilliant. And uh, they're just sitting around chatting, they chat through to the early hours of the morning and then launch into a dance number. And it's all three stars all performing perfectly together. The dancing is amazing. They're all in total sync. This is why I watch Strictly Come Dancing when I go home to my folks. I don't care. It's got to be as good as this or better. Otherwise, no 10 from Dave.
2: And, and Gene Kelly, he directed this film as well as starred in it, and he actually did a lot of the choreography for it. And, mm. and like you say, it is absolutely, when you watch some of those sequences, particularly Make Him Laugh, which you mentioned with Donald O'Connor, how difficult that must have been to, to film, with just yeah. how much is going on in each of these sequences.
5: Um. It's it's a stunning piece of work. Um, at first, I thought it was actually shot in one t- take as well, which is, makes it even more amazing. But there are a few subtle cuts in there. Um, I mean, Donald O'Connor gives it his all. And to be honest, I think his, his name should be on the top, not... Um,
2: just reading a fun, (laughs) not a fun fact, an awful fact, actually. The number was so physically taxing that O'Connor, who smoked smoked four packs of cigarettes a day at the time, ended up in a hospital bed for a week after its completion. He suffered from exhaustion and painful carpet burns. You can believe
5: it. You Uh, definitely uh, can. um, Um, The other thing I love about this film is, it's the 1950s, but it's harking back to the 1920s, 30s earlier on the golden first golden period of Hollywood, so it's a love letter to Hollywood. Although it's not necessarily the best practices they're actually showing, it just really makes you love film and, you know, the cinema industry and everything about it.
2: It's a film about films, really. It's A film about film, yeah. and it does it. It does it so so well. And one of the things that I think you picked up on, Dave, is is the kind of comedic nature of it. it it's genuinely funny in parts.
4: Oh yeah, it's basically any scene where Donald O'Connor is interacting with anyone else. It doesn't have to be Gene Kelly. I think my favourite bit is when he's interacting with uh, the studio head, uh, yeah. uh, Stinson, and he's just you know he he's kind of almost the genius behind the films is what you're realising, he's giving inspiration to people, you know he should be the credited writer and stuff like that is how it's coming across keeps getting all his raises um, motions. but yeah um, when you're watching
5: film, even if he's in the background watch him
4: because <laughs> <laughs> during uh, Moses Supposes, the song we've just heard as well it starts off with Gene Kelly's been giving elocution lessons so he can make the transition to screen, or at least he can attempt to. And while the teacher is teaching the phrases, Donald O'Connor is behind him mimicking the shapes of his mouth, but exaggerating, and it's perfect physical comedy. Uh, it reminds me a lot of actually kind of, you know, early Jim Carrey stuff when he was Mr. Elastic Face. And, you know, this is one step above that even. It's absolutely brilliant.
2: And I do want to give um, a special shout-out to um, Lena Lumon. Oh, well, no, Debbie as well. Yes, I love Debbie Reynolds, but we're just talking about the comedy. Um, Jean Hagen, who plays Lena, absolutely hilarious. Like, I forgot when I watched it again just how funny she is in that role. Um, but just... I don't know, the way she talks, but also her facial expressions, which I suppose... Are I, mean, a lot-
5: I, I was surprised she was recognised by the Academy for the role. Mm. Um, it, she, I think she's the only one of the main cast who was, so... You know, it is a fantastic performance.
2: and fantastic um, performances all round, I think. Yeah. Um, right, so, again, it's a time thing. We're running out of time again. But I think, big thumbs up from everyone here.
4: Oh, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Absolutely golden musical. Suggest everyone sees it. It is showing at the Cambridge Film Festival. So, Friday the 18th of October at half past eight in the evening at Emanuel College. If you can't make that one, well, it is showing again uh, on the 22nd of October, which is a Tuesday at 345 at the light thank you very much dave and simon we're now going to move straight on carrying on our sort of theatrical musical theme to talk about judy
1: i'm sorry it's so late miss Carr.
2: oh please i'm judy
1: i'm very sorry but your suite has been released what do you mean released where exactly has it gone (laughs) your account was in her ears clang 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 with the trolley Please don't go to sleep now. No, 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 leave the other one. The kids need a home, Judy. I know what kids need. They need their mother. You can't have the world's greatest
5: entertainer out here without a drink.
1: Frank's an author's here?
5: Frank is great, but he is no Judy
1: Garland. Are you going to be all right? What if I can't do it again? Mama? Mama, are you there? Somewhere. You
0: need to take better care of yourself. You understand?
1: everybody has their trouble and i've had mine i just want what everybody wants i seem to have a harder time getting it
2: there we go that was the trailer for judy directed by rupert gould i think you say Gould, yes, Um, starring Renée Zellweger uh, as Judy Garland. So this film uh, goes back to 1969, approximately 30 years after Judy Garland starred um, famously in The Wizard of Oz where she's a little bit down on her luck and she goes to London to do a series of performances um, to sort of make a name for herself uh, again. Um, Everybody... Uh, Ashley and Simon is talking about Renee <laughs> Zellweger in this film. Is it a one-woman show?
5: Yes, um, she's absolutely stunning in it. Um, I'm not that familiar with Judy Garland herself, so for a long periods of film I could believe I was watching Judy Garland and couldn't necessarily see Renee Zellweger in the role. It was just an all-immersive performance.
2: I'm going to be annoying and mm. actually slightly disagree. I thought she was absolutely fantastic um, as Judy Garland, but I could never take my mind off the fact that it's Renee Zellweger being Judy Garland.
3: Mm. I think you're both going to
2: disagree with me heavily on this. No,
3: uh, she was still amazing, yes. but it is one of those roles... Someone was talking about Brad Pitt in Ad Astra, just like you get yeah. to that point in your career. We always... Uh, back of our heads thinking that's Brad Pitt playing an astronaut. This was Renee, well- Renee Zellweger being more Judy Garland than Judy Garland. It was that good. I didn't care that I knew it was her. It was that good. And there was a brilliant cast around her, actually. Yeah, it is still a one-woman show. So you've got Jesse Buckley from uh, Wild Rose in this, Rufus Sewell, Michael Gambon. But the way it's directed, I, th- I think, um, I'll put it down to the direction, is they're all sort of orbiting around her as this buzzing superstar that she was and it's it, that just played into renee's brilliant performance even more she was pedestaled all the way through
2: it's a lot about a sort of emotional journey for for judy um it it has a lot of flashbacks to her time well, not a lot, but it has a few flashbacks to when she was working on films such as The Wizard of Oz and how badly um, she was treated, uh, particularly by Louis Mayer. Mm. Um, and, and, and how much are we emotionally invested in her story? How, or, or are we being spoon-fed, perhaps?
5: Well... Um... I I found the flashback scenes to be the stronger scenes in the film. Um, They're the more interesting parts. Um, I mentioned earlier about how much Singing in the Rain makes me fall in love with the studios in the golden era of Hollywood. And then it was just a couple of days later when this made me absolutely hate it again. Mm. Um, To see how awful they did treat the stars, how manipulative it was. Um, And that was really the heart of the film. And... um, the interesting part for me. I found the bits at the end with Judy after having gone through that life um, suffering. Um, I mean, it may sound callous, but it's like I didn't care as much. I'd seen that all before. I'd seen it many, many times before. Um, they treated it like the backstory and an origin to how she's now. And I know things aren't as progressive back then as they are now, but you're like, you've had your whole life. You're still go into all the the problems. Surely there should have been some point you could have sorted your life out. I mean, I know things in life aren't as simple as that, and especially back then, um, but it did make me hard to emphasise at all with the adult Judy um, going through these troubles in the film.
2: It's interesting because I'm I'm not even sure, maybe because I know quite a lot about Judy Garland and how just how awfully she was treated. There's a documentary, I I wish I could remember the name, that that Mm. actually goes into particularly the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, something to do with Yellow Brick Road or something like that. Mm. Something like that. And just the things that they made her do as an 18-year-old... She was on speed and
3: cocaine and sleeping pills from from a child. It
2: was really, really awful. And you can kind of see how that will have affected her as an adult. Are you are you saying perhaps it didn't perhaps explain enough or or
5: there wasn't enough of a journey there. You've got the beginning and you got the end. You've got no journey in the middle. Mm. Um the story they chose to show on the film, um seen many, many, many times before in so many biopics um, there was nothing new there I'm not that familiar with Judy Garland I don't mm. know the details mm. yet yeah, I knew enough of the story it didn't enlighten or show any more into the character into the person um, she could have been anyone the, mu- the musical scenes, I'm not a big fan of Judy Garland apart from Summer of the Rainbow which we all know, so they didn't do anything for me, so despite the fact that It's such a fantastic performance and I recognise that the film generally left me cold. It's like I'd seen it all before, apart from the flashback scenes, which there weren't enough.
2: Mm. Ashley, what's your take? Because I I know we talked about this, that, you know, you were a big fan of Judy Garland and you know a lot about her backstory.
3: Super interesting to hear. And I totally agree with everything you said because it didn't occur to me because I knew what happened in those middle bits. But if you didn't, that is totally lacking. So... And it is really fair to say, why couldn't you just stop this, do this, be better at this? And you're missing that whole central bit of her life, the people she was married to, the fact that she couldn't work. So all of the reasons were completely yeah. lacking for you, and there are reasons for it. And yet yeah, that just did not occur to me, coming to it as someone who, yeah. who knew no, that I middle understand bit of, of her life. there
5: would be reasons, you know, because it's not and you're so missing... simple, but in the film you don't get any of that. And, you just...
3: and really, there's a really interesting, which you wouldn't have picked up on her, but a really interesting subtle um, sort of nod to Liza Minnelli and her relationship with her mum, because she's really not in it at all, and they did have this kind of terrible rivalry in quite a few ways, and and Liza Minnelli sort of held up at that point in time as, oh look, well you're her mum, she's sorted her life out, and then we know what happened to her yeah. several decades later. So there's lots of subtle nods. But yeah, I, listening to you talk about it, Simon, there's there's lots they missed out, but I didn't miss any of it. But that doesn't help if you're not a Judy Garland fan watching no. this film, <laughs> yeah.
2: It kind of felt a bit to me, I'm wondering if you might agree with me on this, particularly um, you, Simon, in terms of... The narrative was weak, maybe on purpose because it is a showcase for Renee Zellweger as Judy Garland that's perhaps what they wanted to concentrate I on. think
5: part of it is part of the showcase and part it is an adapt, adapt it is an adaptation of a stage play and it did feel very much where there's a play said right we're going to concentrate on this one part of her life have a bit a few flashbacks for contract you know for context but this is what it's about mm. um, and that's what they filmed. I unfortunately I'd already seen it this year in Stan and Ollie. I
2: was just about to ask if very, you've seen very, Stan and Ollie. very very very
5: similar and yes. I much preferred Stan and Ollie. Um I thought that did a much better job of explaining the dynamics at play with their rise and fall than then Judy did. Um and if the music doesn't do anything for you it's a great, you know, showpiece and I'm I'm sure that a lot of people will be saying, "Yes, that singing performance was fantastic," but to be honest, it they didn't do anything to me.
3: Sure. There was a song from the film playing on the radio in the car yesterday, and you can only see the first half of the title in my car, and it wasn't until the end, and they said, and that was Renee Zellweger singing from this. I thought that was Judy Garland, honestly. Yeah.
2: It's really interesting you mentioned Stan and Ollie because I was thinking of Stan and Ollie because it's similar in that it's going to a very late period in their lives where they're trying to revive their Mm. careers in the UK, funnily enough. Um, And for for me, I would agree with you that in Stan and Ollie, there was something a bit sort of meatier there in terms of finding out more about those two individuals and how they've got to where they are. Um, In Judy, and even the bits... There are some really dramatic bits that happen in the film. I'm thinking of her relationship with, for example, Mickey Deans. Mm. Did they do enough to, to make us emotionally invested? Now, see, you got me second
3: guessing myself now because oh, I'm no, sorry.
5: Again, I thought it's predictable, you know, not even main <laughs> story. And it was it was told to in the, the wrong first way. The moment you're like, oh, okay, I can here see what's go. going to be happening here. Husband it's going to be four. obvious. <laughs> the husband, um, he's going to be taking advantage of. Uh, you can just see it from the very first moment. Mm. Um, it's
3: that I agree. There was a lot that was predictable. I was still completely enraptured for two full hours and didn't move my eyes, let alone my mm. bum from the seat. But you go and have a look at it anyway. You You've got Michael Gambon in there, Jesse Buckley in there, Rufus Sewell, all in these brilliant, if underused characters. If so there's you, there's more to fa- it. If you're a
5: fan, I would recommend it. It will so be the best film of your entire it. life, and um, it is a
3: stunning
2: performance at like the centre of performance. it. Um, so, mm. yes, I think I think it's very interesting. Do um, go see do, it. Do go see it, yes, <laughs> particularly if you are a fan of Judy Garland. Um, we're going to have to close it there. I would like to thank everybody for joining me today on the show. Thank you, Victoria, Simon, Dave and Ashley. We will be back on the 19th of October, which will be all about the 39th Cambridge Film Festival. Please do join us then. Thank you and goodbye. Bye. Cambridge
1: 105 Radio.